It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, July 25th. The LA Galaxy snapped their three-game game skid. 2 nothing winners over Atlanta United on Sunday night. We're going to talk about that game, get you through that. Uh, we also going to get you uh, at least pointed in the direction of the Dallas game. Galaxy have a full week to prepare for a Dallas game that is probably going to be like 97 degrees and maybe some rain and weird things happen in Dallas. So if you're expecting it to be an easy road for the LA Galaxy to go to Texas and beat Dallas and all those fun things, you have not been paying attention to what the Galaxy usually do in Dallas. We're going to get you ready for that as well, sort of get you prepared, talk about the LA Galaxy construction, and we have some great insights from our co-hosts tonight. Welcome back to the show. We're always glad to have him. We're always glad he's here. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? I'm like a bad penny. I keep coming back. You just you just keep coming back. We can't get rid of you? Yeah, I came back from Mexico this time. Hey, this show is supposed to start at 8, right? I mean, oh, I mean roughly, back. yes. Yes, around yeah, 8. We should just be like the Fox broadcast, and 8 is 8.25. And, and eight, oh, oh, and yeah, just do a 25-minute lead-in? I mean... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not outside of possibility for what we're talking about though right i mean like whenever we talk about the starts for the games the reason they tell you that time is very easily sort of decided as as the because they want you to turn on the television at that time and they want you to watch it and they want you to watch the commercials leading up to the time of when kickoff actually is right we get that i get it i don't like it i mean i think it's stupid if you're gonna have a game that kicks off at 6 30 kick off at 6 30 and start the pregame show whenever you want to start it i mean you watch epl or, or any league from europe or if you've ever been to a game it's amazing if you're used to u.s sports of any kind with the national anthems and the pregame and first pitch and all that kind of stuff fireworks you go to a game in england and it says the game starts at six man the players march on the field at two minutes to six and right. it kicks off at six yeah i mean the mls could do that right i mean and especially now with the apple tv deal they could do that they tell you I know nobody believes this, but they tell you what time the games actually start. It's not like it's a mystery, all right? It's on their website. You can go and click on it and find it and do it. And so, therefore, that's why I always tell people what time it starts, right? But the 25 minutes is a pretty long lead-in. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a big one. Well, to be honest, and I talked to Alexi Lawless, who was there with Rob Stone and Stu Holden before um, the game. They were up in the press box, and I talked to Alexi, who's been on our show many times as a friend of the show and a friend of mine over the years, Um he was saying that this is one of the first games where they've been allowed out 
into the stadiums because most of the time they've been doing everything in the studio and they've been doing everything remotely basically since COVID started. And so he was saying this was actually a treat for them to be able to go and watch the, I, I said, I don't know how much of a treat it is whenever you have the LA galaxy and Atlanta playing each other right now. And he goes, it's just good to be out and watching live soccer. So um, that was a little bit, that was one of the reasons I think that they had such a long pregame show and a lead in was because of the 25 minutes um, that they sort of had on field stuff that they were doing and then eventually led up to the booth and, and, and uh, get everything. So it was a and little they different. Did, they did postgame stuff too. And, and Dayan Jovalich, very interesting, said, I am the future of the franchise. And my first thought was, that's kind of refreshing. And, but then today I was thinking about that. I wonder how that played in the dressing room because it, it all depends on the relationship I think players have with Dayan. For a lot of players, that would be like, that's over the top, dude. You got a team with a guy like Costa and Chicharito. You know, they don't care. Uh, they don't care. But 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 if I mean if they really like him and think he's a funny kind yep, of guy, they do. They probably they probably just take that in stride. Like, of course he said that he's joking with him. Losing breeds con- in in content. Is that what it is? Losing breeds in content. Um, no contempt. Contempt. Losing breeds, contempt. losing breeds contempt. That's what I meant to say. Um, losing breeds contempt. We know that. So when you're losing, guys don't like each other, right? And when you're winning, guys do like each other. They won. Jovulich was was good in his in his moment that he had. Um, got his stuff done. You know, the Galaxy got a two nothing win. They don't care. Uh, Vanny doesn't care. Jovulich is is a funny, honest dude who wants to keep the interview short, the answers short. Um, but he's, he's, he's extremely honest and I don't think anybody can sit there and say that like he has a big head. He doesn't have a big head. I liked how he was talking to Fox afterwards. He was like, oh man, that was an amazing goal. He goes, I'm so proud of myself like for, for that. And I'm like, he's right. It was a really, he created the space for that. He, he curved it around the goalkeeper. He did everything he needed to do. I wish the galaxy, I wish the galaxy would have scored that second goal, like, you know, 60 minutes earlier, which would have put them in a much more comfortable spot, but it didn't, but he did score and he did do that. And that's, that's his confidence. I know everybody's worried about him. I would not worry about him. That dude is jacked up and ready to go. That's what he said afterward. I feel very confident. And also he, he uh, tied a record. Last step by Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So, Dayon in the same conversation with Zlatan again. In that they both have scored in six consecutive games, home games. Yep, Only six four Galaxy consecutive. Have done that. Yeah. So technically, if you count the playoffs, right, and everything, it's three players. Welton apparently, Welton was the fourth player in that, right? And so this was this was the Opta stats because I actually well, talked to somebody. The, the other guy was um, he left out one guy. Walton, Zlatan, Zlatan uh, was it? Uh, oh man, why don't I didn't I didn't have that one. I brought I brought this one up for us because Jovalich is the uh, scored his sixth goal as a substitute. It was the Mexican player that was on the team very early. It's in the game notes. Um, well, but they, everybody doesn't have the game notes at hand. Yeah, well, I mean, you you have your phone there, so I would imagine you could look up the I'm Galaxy's looking. thing while while I'm sitting here trying to do stuff. I will um, do that. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I don't. Ruiz, I, Carlos Ruiz. Yeah, Carlos Ruiz. That's who it was. Yeah, not Mexican. Um, so sounds uh, Mexican. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble right now. Already, we're only like <laughs> five, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, only ten minutes into the show. That's good. Uh, what the gave us a two dollar super chat said. What if Cabral said he was the future? They're all the future. All right, everybody's <laughs> the future. A, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, Cabral, I he is interesting, and and somebody, uh, uh, Yo Jody in the chat room points it out. Cabral actually scored a goal, and sometimes somehow the hate got stronger for him because he missed the sitter, um, after that and the whole deal. I 
think everybody. I, I, like the, I like this goal, though, by the way. If you look at the replay, he's cheering Chicharito's <laughs> score. <laughs> the ball bounces to him. He's got to put his arms down real quick and shoot. Let, let's go over the uh, the starting lineup here a little bit. The LA Galaxy winners 2-0 over Atlanta United. Uh, seventh minute from uh, Kevin Cabral. His first goal of the season. Uh, I think his first goal in 24 games, if I remember correctly. Um, last scored in October. Last October, yeah. yeah. Uh, LA Galaxy uh, get the 90-plus 6th with Jovalich, uh there uh, with a little assist from Victor Vasquez as well. Those were your two goals. Those were your two goals, scoring, uh, uh, two goals that were scored. Galaxy had some chances to score some other ones. Um, they didn't uh, early on. Some Chicharito had a chance, but um, really, overall, the first half was played really well. The, the surprise sort of came, and please ignore this lineup formation because MLS has their head buried so far in the freaking stand. It's ridiculous whenever it comes to some of these lineup things. Why don't they just like have somebody from the team actually do it? Um, Kevin Cabral did not play as a second forward up with Chicharito. If anything, Revelison was a second forward for most of that first half. Yeah, he uh, was. But he was not. He was actually just playing in the midfield and playing in an advanced role uh, with Delgado there. And so they did get sort of the side-by-side with Mark Delgado and Gaston Brugman made his um, MLS and LA Galaxy debut. Uh, you had Eric Zavaleta in for uh, Nick Depew, who was suspended with yellow cards. And then uh, Sega Koulibaly, almost probably ready to come back and, and really start getting into that match fitness again. He wasn't ready. So Zavaleta started there. That was a concern for me, certainly. Um, and then Chase Gasper um, over on the left-hand side started in place of Derek Williams. I know lots of people are trying to read in. They're like, well, obviously Derek, uh, I, I, I should say uh, Raheem Edwards is who he started in place of. Um, lots of people trying to say that Edwards was the guy who, who Williams was calling out. And to me, I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I think because they're like, oh, well, then Greg sat him. So clearly, the, you know, there was something. No, I, I think Edwards is try, trying to get his legs back after playing more minutes than he ever has had in his career. I was concerned about this defense, Kevin. I looked at it and I said, was Zavaleta in there with Gasper in there? It seems a little slow. Uh, it seems a little uh, reactive. Uh, and so I was worried about that. I, I guess I shouldn't have been worried. The defense played very good. Chase Gasper had a very good game. Eric Zavaleta went mostly unnoticed, which is a good thing for a center back most of the time. Right. And so he went mostly unnoticed, made one really big uh, run and play to sort of clear the ball out. May have may have pulled a hammy whenever he was doing it. But uh, he got subbed out. Sega Koulibaly eventually came in and uh, and got in there. But the first half for this L.A. Galaxy, probably the first 55, 60 minutes, the L.A. Galaxy were a dominant force. And Gaston Brugman was that center pivot point um no, no one plays midfield like gaston you just you just want to sing the you wanted to ask him if he knew the beauty I, if he was named after I the, beauty write the, beast the lyric, yeah, the, yeah the lyrics are gaston bergman for the beauty and the beast song you know we were talking about this before we came on and and you're right the galaxy dominated the first certainly the first half maybe like you said the first hour but i can't decide where and, and they came out very aggressive which is good they needed to they needed to establish themselves given everything that has gone on but I don't know that I've seen a worse team for a half than Atlanta in that first half. Man, they were terrible. So Atlanta sat, So Atlanta tried something, I think, a little different. I think they went to a mid-low block, um, which, by the way, there's two things that you should take, really, like two big sort of overreaching things that you should take away from this game. Um, and one is that the LA Galaxy defeated basically a low block team. Uh, they did it by scoring the seventh minute, which is a good way to uh, always do uh, defeat a low block team. Um, and we'll say it's a mid to low block. They don't sit back as far as some teams, but it was it, they, certainly they, they were sitting back um, and they had five defenders back there at sometimes too. But the Galaxy defeated that low block and they also beat 
a bad team, which the Galaxy really haven't done all of uh, this year as well. So in those two ways, the LA Galaxy improved dramatically over what they have been done or, or what they have done in recent times, uh, even if it took, you know, 96 minutes to get yeah. the, the, that second goal. But we need to say something quickly about Atlanta. You know, the Galaxy are number two in the in the league in payroll. Atlanta's number one. They have the yeah. highest payroll in the league. And if you remember a couple of years ago, two, maybe three years ago, if it's even been that long, Atlanta was the second coming of MLS. It was uh, MLS 2.0. It, it had reinvented the wheel. Uh, remember, it went to the MLS Cup in its second season, and and Joseph Martinez set the scoring record, and they were just doing all these great things under Tata Martino. What happened to that team? You know, they've won one road game since last season. Um, they and they look terrible, and they look like they don't have an answer. Joseph Martinez is now apparently in the doghouse and on the bench. Um, Gusan goes out yeah. uh, with injury, and mm-hmm. they, 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 the guy that played last night I thought was pretty good, but he was a teenager when he when he replaced uh, Gusan. Obviously, they they never thought they were going to need a backup goalkeeper. It just looks like that team is really falling apart quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they also have a uh, with with Carlos Bocanegra in there. Um, he has he has certainly. I think uh, in, forced his views of what how the team should be run and how it goes on everybody, and maybe there's a little bit of uh, arrogance in that. There certainly is uh, hints of some dysfunctionality within Atlanta United. And they had um, who it was uh, Ailes who just went over to help run. I think Newcastle. Um, he was in yeah. their, he was in their front office and was very successful at, at running their front office. Is now going over to Newcastle, so they have some problems. They have some dysfunctionality. Speaking of dysfunctional front offices, this is the yeah, LA Galaxy, that. right? Yeah, imagine that. What would it be like to be around a dysfunctional team? Yeah. So I mean, you certainly listen. I'm not going to say that Atlanta is good. They weren't. Um, and I think the Galaxy dominated through Brogman because they were able to, and, and Greg was cognizant of the fact that they were going to put four midfielders sort of in that midfield where they play a little bit more narrow, and Greg wanted to to have the numbers to outnumber them in there. Um, and I think that they did a pretty good job. I think it was a good game plan. I think Brogman starting was uh, was cert- shows certainly the confidence that Vanny has and won his fitness avail- uh, availability. I think he went about 63, 64 minutes. Um, in the game. So he has the ability to that, but also everybody on that team already is like that dude can play Jonathan bond after the game was like, we saw him in training. Like you could immediately tell how he sort of was under pressure and you're like, Oh, okay, he's good. Like there's no, there's no issues. Everybody on that team is already like, yeah, he can play. He's good. Not a problem. So I think that integration and I, I mean, this is, this is tough, right? We have 65 minutes of, of sort of looking at a player that we've seen in person. Now we played against a bad team. But when he came out, Atlanta got significantly better. One, because Atlanta went into a diamond uh, midfield, which changed it up. And Vanny even talked about it afterwards, said it took him a little while for them to adjust and get used to what sort of what that diamond midfield was going to be. But also when Brugman came out, the LA Galaxy started losing that midfield pretty rapidly. Uh, yet Efrain Alvarez come in and Victor Vasquez come in. And there's some some guys who come into there that that are not really good fits in that sub progression. I like the sub progression that Vanny went with in terms of he had something in mind to come off the bench to still change things up, right? Samuel Grancier came on. Jovulich came on. They took Chicharito off instead, right? So this was a a like for like, that type of thing. And that rejuvenated the LA Galaxy. It gave them an ability to counterattack. It gave them fresh legs. It gave them sort of that ability to run. Sometimes I feel like this team is so shallow that whenever you do start guys like Chicharito and Jovulich together, um, that you have nowhere to go from there. And then there's a stagnation point in that second half that, that sort of hits. And I think this is going to continue to be the big talking point is how Vanny util- utilizes Chicharito, how he utilizes Dayan Jovulich, how he utilizes them together. 
um, and whether or not he does play them together as much as he he sort of wants to. I think he's going to surprise some people and do that more uh, down the stretch than, than people think he's going to, but I think he's going to be strategic in how he does it. Uh, well, back up a little bit from the forward. You're talking about the future of the franchise and then Chicharito. The midfield, I had a long, long talks last week with both Chris Klein and, and with Greg Vanny. And Vanny was really impressing upon me the same thing he's been talking about all year, the midfield. But this time it kind of clicked. The, the way he explained it is he talked about how um, Vasquez has not has been in and out with injuries. Um, we know Mark Delgado has not been right. He's had some problems. Ravellison and Kleshton, those guys have had to play when they're not at 100%. And and Greg said the midfield is just not deep enough. Uh, clearly, Efra doesn't give him what he wants. The midfield was just not deep enough, and they were playing guys that probably weren't 100%, but they had to play. Now with Brugman coming in, it changes everything because it gives them another dynamic piece in that midfield. That allows Ravellison to push forward when he's on the field. Um, it, it it changes everything. When it, and what Greg talked about is it, other teams were beating them up in the midfield. You say, well, they've got Jovalich and Chicharito up front, and they've got you know pretty solid back line, and, and Bonds playing well. They just lose everything in the midfield. And you saw the difference that a healthy midfield, and, and with Gaston in there yesterday, was able to control the midfield, was able to link up with the forwards, which is really important. We've seen Chicharito coming all the way back to the midfield stripe at times this year to get the ball because mm-hmm. no one's linking up with him. So we saw the midfield control the play in the midfield against Atlanta. We saw them be able to link up. You know, Bergman was in the box, by the way, when when that first goal was scored. He right. was the one that took two defenders with him. That that went unnoticed. Without that, he ran past Chicharito and and, and then Koss was able to pass the ball behind him. Without him taking those two defenders out of the play, I, I don't know that they score that goal. So a lot of things happened, and it happened in the midfield, and it happened because of what Bregman was able to bring and the options that that allowed Vanny. I, I think Ravellis and pushing forward, I think we're gonna that might be the role. They tried him a little bit at defensive midfielder. They tried him at a lot of different right. central attacking midfielder. I think him pushing forward is what we're going to see from now on. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, it's it's really uh, it really did sort of settle things down. I, I think the other thing we should point out is for the first time since May 18th, the LA Galaxy had three designated players start. I mean, you know, Douglas Costa started, Kevin Cabral started, um, and Chicharito started. Chicharito had, by the way, a really really good game. Not a game where he scores a goal, but certainly he creates some chances, and he he created that first goal. Um, even if he didn't score, the rebound comes off and Cabral finishes it. So. That's a positive on 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 stuff, and he did so much work off the ball. Greg actually in his post game was was singling him out as as how much work he did off the ball and how much work he did just in terms of competing for for plays and getting fouled and doing all those things. So it's going to be difficult to get Chicharito off the field. I think he could have had two goals. The one that 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 uh, eventually the, the goal the Cabral one that was a great save it probably should have been a goal nine times out of ten and then he should have had the penalty kick about sixtieth minute yeah yeah we actually had, we we launched a pool reporter question on that it's not worth mentioning because the answer was like well we didn't see anything it was like really the the guy got sandwiched between two guys even if they do get the ball in that case um, the bottom line is that the contact comes uh, once from behind and then while the other guy gets the ball after. Chicharito has already been fouled from behind. Um, and to say that VAR didn't see it, we, we're making it too hard on ourselves. Somehow VAR has made it more complicated when really all you have to do is watch the video and be like, yeah, it's a foul. It's like, it's it's pretty obvious whenever you see those different things. You know, Chicharito got his hair pulled 
only ended up in a in a wasn't even a card. Was it even a yellow card? I don't know that that was even a yellow card. If you grab somebody's hair and you pull it right in front of the referee and the referee certainly saw it, it's usually a red card. Well, right. and the other thing with with the the Chicharito play in the box is if that foul was called on that, that's a second yellow, and now the Galaxy have a man advantage for the last half hour, would so it, twenty minutes would it change things all the time? I, I was talking about it whenever I do a post game on Twitter Spaces as I'm driving home. I was talking about how New York City got three first half penalty kicks. Um, I think last weekend, not this weekend, uh, this this previous weekend, the weekend before, they got three first half penalty kicks. Galaxy would never right now ever get three first half penalty kicks. It would be impossible. Right. And so, I mean, overall, you look at this this game and, and sort of how it's played. I, I thought Costa played with a lot of energy, certainly in that first half. Um, maybe not his game in terms of how much. And, and Greg sort of mentioned this, and I think I agree with Costa liking to cut, like who, who likes to cut inside Kevin and take that left footed shot and come inside. It's his move. Right. We know he's going to do it. And even defenders know he's going to do it. And he's been putting him on frame fairly consistently now, but you've seen some of his explosive change in direction. You see his ability to spray the ball and distribute as well. I thought he played just fine uh, in a game where maybe the midfield isn't as crowded. Uh, he probably has a little more success as a designated player. You would like to see him impose his will on a game, regardless of sort of what the formation is. And I feel like that's still missing from him. I have enjoyed his progress though, Kevin, uh, just since he's come back, just in terms of his ability to track back and play defense. I didn't think I'd ever see Douglas Costa track back and play defense. He was doing that. Kevin Cabral, same thing. Being able to track back, being able to something. The the Galaxy's shutout on Sunday night. We're recording on Monday. So seventh of the season, yeah. career high for Bond. Seventh of the season. The LA Galaxy now, let's see if I can bring up the correct one. Uh, the LA Galaxy are fourth right now um, in terms of shutouts across all Major League Soccer. Uh, the leaders right now is New York City FC and Sean Johnson. He has 11. Andre Blake in Philadelphia has nine, tied with uh, Slonina in call in Chicago, who has nine. Zach McMath at RSL with eight. And then Jonathan Bond at seventh. And, and Bond has come under a, a little bit of fire recently, just in terms of his uh, ability to shot stop and, and do those other things. But the bottom line is the effort that the defensive side of things put in to that game last night was a little bit Herculean in terms of what they were trying to do, especially as the midfield broke down in the second half, the galaxy weren't able to take care of the ball as well. And they ended up playing a lot more defense and a lot more emergency defending, but there were guys throwing their bodies on the line, trying their best to make sure that that Atlanta didn't score. And we can pretend this is a two nothing game. And certainly that's what the, the score line says. That was a one nothing game. That was a one nothing game all the way until the very last kick of the game, basically with Jovalich getting that second goal. And the Galaxy, I think if you're you're looking for anything that needed to be better, one, more control in the second half, Kevin, and two, that second goal, right? That second goal makes life a lot easier if they're able to score that um, earlier. So I, I, it wasn't a good game. I don't think anybody should be sitting there saying, oh, man, that was just so enjoyable to, to, to watch. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, everyone talks about the Galaxy ended the losing streak. Right, they did. You know, they've only won four times in the last 13 games in all competition. So... In, in the last two months. So they're still in a little bit of a slump. That This was not a slump buster game. They got the result. They got the three points. They grinded it out. Yes, that's important. And it gets them above the playoff line, which is very important. But to say, oh, the Galaxy put their problems behind them. They figured it out. They've hit stride now. No, no. This They, they could very easily you know, lay an egg in Dallas in that heat and the road trip and everything else. And then we're back to where we started. Yeah, I'll say this. I think you got it right whenever you said um, 
whenever you said it was a game they couldn't afford to lose, but it wasn't necessarily a must win, but it was a game they couldn't afford to lose, right? It was one of those. Uh, certainly yeah. looking as well at the standings, whenever you look at going into that game, the Galaxy were recycled down to ninth. So without that win, they are below the playoff line. With that win, they stay above it. They stay above Portland. By by tiebreaker. Yeah. But, so it's, but they do have a game in hand. So you can start parsing things already if you want, but the Galaxy are four points out of third place, right? Um, or, or four points out of fourth place and five points out of 11th place. They are yeah, basically, they're, closer, they're closer to the cellar than they are to the penthouse. I, by the way. I, I mean, yeah, but they're also closer to fourth place than they are to 11th. So it's like, okay, you know, it's one of those. This is how it's going to be. The squeeze in the Western Conference is a real thing. Uh, Seattle, Portland below the playoff line right now. You expect that they're going to fight their way back up. I can't see either of those teams staying below. So there's going to be some shuffling that happens in the next 13 games. You have to, it's going to, these standings are going to be crazy. We saw the Galaxy lose three games in a row, Kevin, and they dropped like one spot or two spots, right? So not, not the end of the world, right? There's also this where they had to win on Sunday in order to stay in the seventh spot. This is how it's going to go for the next 13 games. Well, they have 13 games left, so there's 39 points available. They have 30 right now. Last year, they finished with, with 48, 48, and they didn't make it. Right. They, 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 they missed lost by on a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. 48 is not going to be enough to get them that close this year. So I, I they what? probably need... I, I would dis- I disagree. Points? I disagree 100%, you by the way. You think 48 is going to get them in? I think 46 probably gets people in this year. There are more... There's one more team... And there are there's one more like mediocre team in there. Everybody's taking points from everybody. I, I, I've sort of been looking at that and sort of saying, I think it shifts 48, 47, 46. I think it's right there. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think seventh is right around could even be 45, depending on how many teams take points from each other. But there are only and I would like to say there are only two good teams. I really think there's only one good team in the Western Conference. I think Austin while they have been putting out some 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 very good performances, just got beat at home by New York Red Bulls four to three. Interesting game. Um, whenever you look at it, but I don't consider Austin an upper echelon team. They may have been scoring the points, um, but I think if they play against good teams, they're not that that good of a team. So I don't think I think LAFC is the best team in the Western Conference. I think New York City FC, even though they just got rid of their like number one goal scorer with Tati, Tati Cassianos leaving, um, is still probably the the tops in the East. And Philadelphia is probably probably next somebody's just calling me it's not a big deal um Don Gerber? it was it was a research company that they always want you know they want to hear my my musings on the world i should just tell them to, to tune into this podcast um so when you look at this i just i don't see everybody's sort of bunched together rsl's bunched together here we can even pull up the uh the western conferences as sort of as it's lafc at 45 points austin at 41 then it's minnesota at 34 salt lake at 33 dallas at 32 nashville at 31 galaxy at 30 portland at 30 seattle at 29 vancouver at 26 houston at 25 colorado at 24 i mean again you could if you win a couple games kevin you could very easily be in fourth place you lose a couple games you could be in 11th place uh, yeah, I think Nashville and Seattle are probably underperforming, and I think Minnesota is probably overperforming a little bit. I'm I'm not sold on Minnesota at all. No, no, and I'm not sold on any of these teams. That I'm not sold on Dallas. I'm not sold on Nashville. I'm not sold on Portland or Seattle. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what Houston's trying to do. Colorado needs to stay down there and not not move. Vancouver all of a sudden is like you know in tenth whenever they were one of the worst teams. You have Sporting Kansas City that can't win a game to save their lives. And that's just not a team. And I still think they're going to make some moves. So it, again, with the way that the galaxy are playing, I expect them to be as sort of up and down as they have been. I don't think you're going to find this team running on a, on a, on a run. 
Are they capable of going on a run, though, Kevin? We saw parts again in that first half that show that they are capable of beating bad teams. When they go and play against bad teams, can they can they get those results? And that's something we haven't seen. But uh, the te- this team has never won three games in a row under Greg Vanny. They'll have to win in Dallas in order to get two, um, and then they'll have to come back in order to try to win three. I, I think those are tall asks. But if the Galaxy suddenly won three games in a row, they would be vaulted up the Western Conference standings. Well, because it, of- in your opinion, is this... Is this- a team that is better than the sum of its parts. In other words, yes. are, it, it, it's a, it, are they in a sense overperforming or is this a team that has a lot of good players and they're just not clicking? Um, I think the stats and the metrics tell you this LA galaxy team is better than how they've been performing. It actually shows that they're probably a top three or four team in the Western conference, which hasn't necessarily shown. So they're underperforming, but they've been underperforming in areas where you can easily see it with your eyes. And that's goal scoring. It's on the offensive side, right? I mean, the uh, Kevin Cabral missing a sitter, right? He scores a goal. Finally, he gets a goal. Everybody's excited. You know, 20 minutes later, he gets played into a spot that's across the front of the goal and, and he misses, right? And so that's, oh, okay, yep, there it is. Just wanted to make sure everything was rounded out in the whole Kevin Cabral um, situation. It was funny. We, we thought maybe we were going to talk to Kevin Cabral after the game. Uh, there were some talks about, hey, Kevin Cabral might be coming into the, the press conference. We're like, oh, cool. And then he didn't show up. And it wasn't anything to do with him. He had just left. They didn't communicate that to him before he left. So it wasn't like Kevin big-timed us or anything like that. I don't want to say it. But my joke in the in the press room was that was that Kevin Cabral missed the door um, to get into the press conference because he misses so many goals. That was my, my, my joke. And I even asked Greg Vanny about Kevin Cabral. I mean, I talked about the three designated players playing for the first time since May 18th. And I said, but specifically I called out Cabral. He gets a goal, which is great, but then he misses another goal. And he, and Greg is like, he does so many other things for us that he creates probably six chances in there where if he doesn't play, we only create two chances. This is Greg Vanny's view on Kevin Cabral. Um, this is also, yeah, you, you, it's almost impossible to Greg, to get Greg Vanny to say anything even remotely critical of Kevin Cabral or, or really almost anybody. I mean, it's it is difficult. Look at he, look at how he's talking about Douglas Costa whenever he came in, right? Look at how he's talking about him now. Look at how he talks about Chicharito and stuff like that. Now, Chicharito again had a very good game. Um, I know it doesn't show up on the scoreboard, but he had a good game. That wasn't the problem uh, in this game. The problem still remains the midfield, and the problem still for me remains scoring from the wings. Somebody's got to score more goals, um, and the Galaxy are sort of underperforming their expected goals. But across metrics, the LA Galaxy are not a bad team. Um, so I think they're still underperforming. I think that if they play like they're able to play in that first half with Brugman certainly spraying the ball around, being more of an anchor point, allowing Delgado to move a little bit further forward, allowing Ravellison to get into the attack without leaving up. And listen, Vanny's going to shade himself towards having a solid defensive shape before he's going to go out there and throw two forwards on there. And everybody can complain about it, but he thinks that the that the way to winning these games, Kevin, is to look at this and say, Start with a solid defensive formation. Start with a solid defense. And that goes through the midfield, right? With Brugman in there and with Delgado and with Revelison. He likes that look just in terms of how that lines up. He goes, and then he'll worry about everything else there. And that's what, sort of the answer. That's what that game looks like whenever you play that way against a team like Atlanta. I, I guess what I was kind of getting at with the sum of the parts is that the, the Galaxy better as a team or as individuals. They're seventh in a 14-team conference. So by definition, they're mediocre. They're getting a C. They get C grade right now. Mm-hmm. And so you look at the team and say, okay, well, how many players would start on an on, on another average MLS team? And I'm not talking about San Jose. I'm not talking about LAFC. I'm talking about just an average team. Chicharito, 
Um, Dayon would probably play Araujo, uh, Bond, depending on which team. Delgado, I, Delgado I, I, might um, in there. Um, I'm trying to think. Williams, yeah. Williams might would probably start on a lot of teams. But, but again, it's, yeah. it's my my. It's not like I mean, it's not. I mean, I. It's not like it, everybody it's, here it, could start on any team. No, like, yeah. it's you know you'd go back and you'd say yeah, um, um, uh, Pavone would start on on just about every other team. Zlatan obviously would start on just about every other team. Um, you know, there were guys then that you would say. You know, when healthy, I think Jonathan Dos Santos probably would have started on a lot of teams. I, I just look at this Galaxy team as Cabral's not going to start on a lot of other teams. Grant Sears not going to start on a lot, of, not a, a lot of other teams. You know, um, it's it's just it's right now the standing solace to mediocre team. And I think when you look at the roster, it's yeah. right now it's kind of a mediocre team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, ultimately, and I think. Sasha pointed this out. You know, at the end of the uh, at the end of the season, Kevin, it's the 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 points tell you where you were, right? Like it's one of those. The points tell you whether or not you got in the playoffs or not. The points points don't lie about how this LA Galaxy team um, will have, have played through this entire um, you know season. So there's 34 games. You get points for everyone, and at the end of the season, you are where you are. Uh, sometimes I think that teams underperform. Sometimes I think teams overperform, um, and you can see that. Uh, sort of in the way that the LA Galaxy have been playing and, and sort of continue to play. I, I will say this. I looked at the Galaxy shape um, in terms of uh, their average positions and stuff like that. And I really just sort of like that even in this particular case, Brugman's even, um, you know, sort of sitting deep and Ravel's in a little bit higher. Um, Delgado's sort of next to him. So a nice little triangle there and, and a triangle I think that we expected um, to see with Brugman in there. Maybe not as inverted because I think they played Delgado next to Brugman and I would think you're going to see a little more Delgado being pushed up into a, into a, a more advanced space here in a little bit. Um, but Greg said he was trying to keep it sort of simple um, in this. So I like that 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 formation in the center. I like sort of how uh, the LA Galaxy were able to press forward. I like how Chase Gasper and Julian Araujo stayed home a little bit. They were forward when they needed to, uh, but there was definitely a defensive first sort of, sort of uh, engagement in here. If we conversely go, so a very nice shape, if you're not watching on the podcast, this is a very nice shape. You have Chicharito up top, you know, you have Cabral off to one side, you had Douglas Costa off to one side. So very much a, a good, even and balanced out shape, even if it's shaded a little to the left side, but very balanced, right? Let's go. It take, looks way too much like trigonometry to me. Yeah, I know. It's just, I'm it's very just uncomfortable the, looking at it. Now look at Atlanta and tell me that again, Kevin, you said this was one of the worst teams maybe that you've seen. Uh, this year that look at that shape in terms of it just looks like a bunch of dots that were thrown on a, on a wall. There's no shape there. Um, and I think that that sort of shows it. The one thing I'll say from their shape is that it's a congested midfield and Vanny knew it was going to be a congested midfield and sort of put everything in there. So um, I think that there are um, I, I think that that sort of tells the story of, of this game as well. And it's just again, it's one of those things that we sort of keep watching. It's the Galaxy have not played well against bad teams, and they played well for at least a good 45 minutes um, against Atlanta, who was a bad team, and they ended up getting a 2-0 win. I think those are the things that you take away from this, right? Um, I, I don't think there's any sort of fixing, though. I don't think you've seen anything that has changed. I do think Brugman has given the LA Galaxy a different look in how they're going to play and how they're going to line up. Um, and I think that's another takeaway that we can sort of look at and say, okay, I sort of understand that. That makes some sense. Uh, Jovalich, though, uh, keeps doing Jovalich things uh, here, Kevin. Um, and so, you know, the the what, by the way, the, uh, I don't know if everybody uh, uh, knew this or not, but the, the person who finally scored against Atlanta United, the LA Galaxy have played in three games 
against uh, against Atlanta United had not scored a goal. So Kevin Cabral, of course, gets his first goal against a team the LA Galaxy have never scored against. Um, so finally, in the fourth game, the LA Galaxy get their first win in that victory. Uh, the Galaxy improved to eight one and one in the league play whenever they score the first goal. We've talked about. The first goal, Dayon Jovalich talked about the first goal. Go to our uh, website and you can watch the full post-game uh, press conference there. And it'll it, you can hear from Jovan and, and or not, not Jovan. Ooh, Dayon. Jovan was there? Dayon. Yeah. No, Jovan wouldn't be there. Dayon, um, Dayon Jovalich and, uh, and Jonathan Bond spoke as well as uh, Greg Vanny on that. So we look at these things and we say, okay, you know, how important is it? Well, the LA galaxy are eight, one, one, whenever they score the first goal, this is just the, uh, the first time that they've done it in the last four games. Right. And then if you go back and I think we said, you know, nine out of the last 12, they gave up this, the second goal. So now it's nine out of the last 13, they've given up the, the first goal and, uh, it doesn't go well for them whenever they do that galaxy are one, eight and one, whenever they give up that first goal, Jovalich said, in this league, if you score first, you have like a 75% chance of winning. I think it might even be higher than that, especially for the LA Galaxy. Um, yeah, so, he said it's very difficult to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't know that the LA Galaxy has a stomach to be able to or the emotional uh, aptitude to be able to come back and and fight back in some of these games. They just, they, it seems like they don't have it. Having said that, one of the ways to beat a low block or a low mid block is to score early, Kevin, and make sure that that block has to come out of its block in order to try and score some goals. That did allow the LA Galaxy some chances, and, and I think that they they squandered those. So again, scoring still a problem. Um, LA Galaxy is 4-1-1 one, and one in five matches played against the Eastern Conference so far. Uh, you had Dayon Jovalich tallied his team-leading ninth goal in, the, in his 19th regular season appearance, and he has not played a lot of minutes. Um, 627 total minutes. Kevin, that's it. Uh, he has 70. He, he's scoring a goal once every 70 minutes. Uh, Zlatan in his 30 goals that he scored in 2019 scored a goal once every 87 minutes. All right. Now Zlatan was starting every game and playing every game. The best answer though, Kevin, I think, and I think you were there for it whenever Jovalich was uh, talking and they said, well, you know, Greg sort of highlighted that you score a lot of goals after that 80th minute. And Jovalich kind of chuckled a little bit. And he was like, yeah, he goes, because normally that's the only time I put me in the game. Right. <laughs> it was like, he gets it. Well, you mentioned the four one and one against Eastern Conference, which is a good stat. But the Galaxy only have two more games against Eastern Conference teams. They play New England and Toronto, both on the road. Back to back. They're too. five. They're five, eight, and two against the Western Conference. Yeah, that's for the majority. They they have uh, what is thirteen games left. So uh, eleven of those thirteen games against Western Conference teams, they're three games under five hundred. They're going to have to turn that around a little bit because that's where it's obviously it's going to be decided in the Western Conference. Yeah, it is. Um, and, uh, and and the big thing here is just, I mean, whenever you go back and sort of look at Jovalich and what he's been able to do, Jovalich is is the guy in the league right now. Uh, dating back to May 28th, Jovalich's eight goals and two assists lead all MLS players in gold contributions during that time span. Uh, amongst players that have played a minimum of 600 minutes in the league play this season, Jovalich leads MLS in goals scored per 90 minutes at 1.29. All right. Uh, let's see. We talked about his goals as a substitute um, in eight regular season appearances, four starts dating back to May 28th. Jovalich has tallied eight goals, two assists. No other player in MLS has contributed more goals and assists during that span than Jovalich. Only Nashville's Henny Mukhtar has tallied as many goals as Jovalich since May 28th. This is where, obviously, I get the fervor. I get the the buildup behind him. This is why he's... Future the, of the franchise. Future of the franchise. He really is. And listen, I think that people are are thinking that Jovalich is somehow frustrated by his position. I don't get that at all. Um, I think he's motivated by his position. 
I we I talked to Greg Vanny about Jovovich and saying, you know, aren't you worried that maybe you're going to lose him a little bit? And he goes, he knows how to play this game. Like in terms of he knows that when he comes on and he plays that he needs to give me his all and that he scores goals and he'll keep getting playing time and he'll keep doing the things. And he goes, and v- Vanny was like, there's absolutely times when I think that Jovan, uh, Jovan see, it's Dayon Jovovich. So it's like yeah. it's like his name is a Jovan together. I know this is Freudian. Freudian slip. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is. I let's think. Get, that, what, what, let's get something easier. Tell us about how he almost got injured and wouldn't be able to finish the season. <laughs> so, uh, so this is a, this is one of those fun press uh, press stories behind the scenes um, that you only get here on Corner of the Galaxy because why else would we uh, 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 agree why to else this? Would or, or, care? Yeah, yeah. And why would anybody care? Um, but after Greg Vanny talked, I wanted to ask him one more question. That one more question, by the way, was: We know you brought Brugman in. You were optimistic about bringing somebody else in. Are you still optimistic about bringing somebody in? Greg Vanny told me in the hallway. He said, "Absolutely, we're trying to get things done." There's Luis Suarez. N- no, that that right now is an LAFC rumor, not an LA Galaxy rumor. Um, he said, we're trying to get things done. There's league mechanisms and things that we have to go through in order to do that. But he was still optimistic that the Galaxy were going to be able to bring in a second player before the window closed. Okay. So that was the question I asked. Now, what happened was Greg went one way and I was sort of like, hey, Greg, I got one more question because the, the press conference was over. So I needed to chase him down in order to get it. And it's fine. Um, and so I started going that way and Dayon was coming towards me. Now, I thought Dayon was going to go up the stairs behind the press, which is sort of how the guys uh, get up and down. Uh, sometimes, although some guys just step up onto the stage. So Dayon made a move that I wasn't expecting, which is why he's such a crafty striker. Um, and I kind of like almost clipped his heel. And I, as I clipped his heel and was trying to go for Greg, I was like, great. So I'm going to break Dayon's foot and I'm going to ruin the LA Galaxy. It's going to be Guessman's fault that the LA Galaxy fall flat whenever Dayon gets injured in a press conference because he gets uh, he gets kicked by uh, not that I am some strong beast. Uh, more like my meaty heel got in the way of Dayon's foot and it would like, you know, snap his his frail bird bones or whatever he has. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was close. We dodged a bullet on that one. He's fine. That would have been very interesting. I would have <laughs> liked to see you try to get out of that one. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have showed up anymore. I think that might have been it for. Well, weren't you to tell the story about you in the Dodgers locker room? Oh, well, yeah. One time back in the day when they still had Chan Ho Park and. Adeo Nomo, they were, they lockered next to each other. And uh, the the old Dodger clubhouse was very, very tight. And so I was moving over to talk to Chan Ho Park. And Hideo Nomo, in the locker next to him, decided to sit down on the ground and stretch. And again, I, my back was turned toward him, and I didn't know that he had done that. And as I stepped back to give Chan Ho Park room, my big heel just missed Hideo Nomo's pitching hand. I would have broke probably whatever finger I landed on had it had I landed on one and that would have been the end of the Dodgers season. That would not have been, I didn't even have a podcast to go on and talk to about that at the time. So yeah, that would have been, that would have been pretty ugly. The, the chat room. Oh man, we would have killed you. See, I wouldn't have been able to show up. There would have had to have been like, there would have been a secrecy about it. It would have been like, uh, Jovalich got injured during the game or something like that. Like we would all had to agree on a story and then picky swear. And you know, they would have been, it would have been a whole Unspecified thing. Specified injury. Man, just this close to to ruining uh, ruining the LA Galaxy's. See, sports writing is a diff, is a is a very difficult and dangerous. <laughs> it's it's kind of like being a CIA agent. They're they're taking like the some of the most unathletic people because we sit and we type and we do yeah, stuff exactly. right, and they put us next to professional athletes and they like trust us not to hurt them. And it's always like I could stumble at any time <laughs> doing any. You know, of I mean, look at me when I started sports writing. I actually 
was fit. And I didn't mind asking players about fitness. I do not ask those questions anymore. <laughs> Could you imagine me going to a guy, are you fit yet? Are you in shape? <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Daniel, by the way, there, the there was room. a guy. There, there was a uh, there was a guy Earl Bloom. People might remember him. Worked for the Orange County Register for a long time. Earl was a was a large mammal, and there was one time he was covering an Angel game, and Rod Carew walked by, and uh, Earl was in the dugout, and Rod Carew said, uh, "Hey, buddy, mix in a salad once in a while." <laughs> to which Earl took offense, and and Rod Carew was hitting like seven hundred, but had like two RBIs. And Earl shot back, hey, Rod, mixing an RBI once in a while. <laughs> That's, they got That's along not, that way. They got along that way. That was, no, that, that, was, that was old school. Rod tried to hit him with line drives during batting practice. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, but anyway, so we avoided that. One, we got an answer from Greg Vanny saying they are still optimistic. that they, and, and listen, Greg was optimistic beforehand. I just wanted to know if anything had changed because we haven't heard anything. Um, and so Can I don't, swerve. yeah, yeah, I don't, don't, please don't, don't, because people will yeah, think like, oh, Kevin, Seattle. Kevin's hinting at something here. You know, there's I, no DP spots open folks. I was, He's I was, Louis scores is not coming. I was just happy. And listeners of this podcast from pre pandemic times will remember. I was just happy that you finally got to be in the same building as Alan Franco, uh, who got, who played oh, for, I did. Yes. For, Alan Franco for Atlanta. The guy guaranteed was coming to the galaxy. Yes. Yes, the guy who is is who was playing for Atlanta. Um, it's it's interesting. You you talked about Atlanta and how they weren't good. Joseph Martinez played for that that team. He was on the field yesterday. Did you did you see yeah, Joseph Martinez? Yeah, he came off the bench. Yeah, I know, but like, did he actually make an impact? He had a chance at yeah. one shot, I think, and and sort of scuffed it. That's not the same Joseph Martinez. There was some Atlanta fans who were kind of done with him, which is a interesting little take. Um, just to get you an idea of where the designated players are at their minutes, I told you that the first time they played, um, they all started since May eighteenth. Uh, Javier Hernandez, Douglas Costa, Kevin Cabral now at 62.3% have played 62.3% of the total available minutes. So total available minutes, 5,670 minutes played so far by those three, 3,532. Chicharito leads that with 82.3%. Douglas Costa, 48.2%. And Kevin Cabral, 56.4%. So that's something. Uh, whenever we look at the LA Galaxy and their ability to get a point, they're now at 57% of the time, Kevin, they get a point or better in games. 57.1% of the time, they get a point or better. Their winning percentage is 42.9. They're losing percentage, 42.9. That's what happens whenever you're 9-9. Nine nine. Um, so that also gets Greg Vanny back to uh, 500, right? So he's he doesn't have a he doesn't have a losing record for, for a little he's bit. He's one game over 500 during his Galaxy tenure. Um, let's see. Here is, uh, here's my favorite one. I finally, finally, it's been a long time, right? How many games in, in are we now? 21, 22, 21, 21, 21. games. Uh, I finally got to fill out the cost per goal on Kevin Cabral. Uh, so as of right now, this season, Kevin Cabral has cost the LA galaxy $970,000 per goal. Uh, I'm sure everybody really wanted to, to, to see that, uh, Chicharito's at $478,000 per goal. Douglas cost a $705,000 Per goal, so Kevin. Cabral. How about Dayon? I don't know because I don't only do the designated players because otherwise I have oh. to do everybody. But I should put Dayon on there because it's going to be fairly inexpensive, as you would expect. Um, I think that uh, I think that Dayon could absolutely uh, stick around. He's like a buck, buck thirty-five a goal. Yeah, he, like yeah, he's 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 like a chicken nuggets at McDonald's. He he can you know he can totally uh, afford that with the the his cost per goal. Yeah, he's a happy meal. Uh, if you look at the home points right now, the LA Galaxy trying to creep back up to that one point eight seven percent average, uh, one point eight seven points uh, per game at home. 
average. They're at 1.58 points right now. They were 1.71 points per game at home last year. The home games is where the LA Galaxy have struggled so far. So maybe it's a good thing that they're going away on the road. Again, if we look at their away points right now, the Galaxy sitting right at their average. They're 1.22 points per game on the road, and their average overall across the entire franchise is 1.19 points per game. What are they, 6-5-1 at home now? Uh, yes, 6-5-1 at home. So because One of the things I talked to about uh, with Greg Vanny, and actually he brought it up, um, was that the Galaxy, he said the Galaxy need to learn to win at home. He said it used to be a fortress. It's not anymore. The Galaxy need to learn to win at home. And he actually said he thinks his players are really struggling with that. Uh, and the fans, the supporters get on them. And Vanny said they absolutely should. Players need to learn how to deal with that. And players, he, he feels like some players are actually a little bit gun shy. They don't want to make a mistake at home because – um, you know, they don't want it to go south too quick. Um, Greg's not buying any of that. I, I'm, I'm just telling you he's explaining that. But uh, he does think that that uh, there is a mental issue with his players trying to learn to win at home. Maybe yesterday will help. I mean, I think there might also be a mental issue within the LA Galaxy's front office. They just raised everybody's season ticket prices sort of in the midst of a three-game losing streak. There is some, some discontent out there, Kevin. Um, and while this has... I will say, I won't say like quenched it, right? We haven't quelled the fire yet. We didn't throw water on the fire. The fire is still burning. It's still pretty hot. Uh, Embers. There, there is heat emanating. Uh, I was talking with some fans at halftime and Chris Klein walked by and, and somebody said, we saw the back of Chris Klein and somebody said, wow, I've never seen his butt look that hot, right? And I'm sort of like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What, no backup. Wait, wait, what are we trying? I understand. I get what you're saying. Okay, yes. Um, he's so, on the hot seat. Yeah, he is on the hot seat. It wasn't a value judgment. No, no, it wasn't. Um, okay. so he's on the hot seat right now, and probably. And I was talking with some people before the game. I think the hottest it's probably ever been right now. Now you got to talk to Chris Klein a little bit, right? You see, he said, you know, hey, the buck stops here, right? I mean, he well, he knows he's supposed to say that, right? Well, I talked to Klein and and Vanny, and the reason I talked to them both last week, there, there will be a story in the paper, maybe tomorrow, Tuesday morning, if not Wednesday kind of just looking at where the Galaxy are historically, that this is the model franchise, the number one franchise in MLS, haven't reached the playoffs. Now, this is their sixth season, and they've been in the playoffs one time. They've lost more games than they've won since Bruce Arena left. This was the team that was the beat-all and end-all in, in, in MLS, and they're they're not that anymore. And why has that happened? You know, we've gone through, the team has gone through five coaches and three general managers since Bruce Arena left. The one the one common thread over those years, they've got rid of, again, general managers, they've got rid of physio teams, they've got rid of academy directors. Two people have uh, survived through all that tumult. Chris Klein, the president, and Jovan Karowski, who is the, the technical director. Those are the two guys that are there. And kind of the question was, that I was posing was, if we've gotten rid of all the, man, all the managers, all the general managers, and all the players, and all the physios, and things still haven't changed, the team is still not winning, Maybe it's the guys that are still here. Maybe that's the problem. And I, uh, I I talked to Chris about that, and Chris started out saying, well, you know, I'm supporting Greg, and Greg's making all the decisions, and we're going to do what Greg wants. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're the president. Don't you have any responsibility? And then he did he did sort of say, yes, you know, uh, eventually I am responsible for what goes on the field. I understand people want to see a winner. Uh, I'm responsible for what goes on the field. Uh, you know, I've heard from a lot of people, some of those former managers and general managers privately that, that it, it's very dysfunctional in that front office and that there is nobody that is willing to step up and say the buck stops with me and 
when you get some of these evasive answers, you know, I, I can see that what they're talking about, the dysfunction. You know, uh, somebody will come to, to, to Chris and say, I want to do this. And Chris will say, that sounds great. And then someone will come in and say, I don't think we should do that. And Chris will say, you're right. And nothing ever gets done. It's not a, a formula for success. Now, here comes Greg Vanny a guy who is seeped in the tradition and culture of the galaxy, who started it back in 1996. He came in and he, he, he told me, he looked around, there was not a scouting department. Right. It, they had what's called a, recommend, a recommendation a, system. A referral, a referral, a referral scouting system. system, yes. Yeah, and that's where agents call up and say, hey, I got a guy, a midfielder, you want to take a look? It's not like the galaxy say yes or no, he fits our system or whatever. But when you scout, you say, Here's our philosophy of playing. Here's the kind of players we we want. As a central attacking midfielder, you need to be do you need to do these things. Right. As a winger, you need to do these things. And you go scalp that profile. The Galaxy didn't do that. They waited for agents to call them. That is not a conducive way. Yes, now they got Zalatan and Chicharito and players like that with that system, but they also got Jack McInerney and they got Clement Diop and they got a lot of players that, you know, Michael Siani, Jorgen players. Working with that system, it didn't work. So Greg came in and said, we're going to fix that. And he's re uh, overhauled the complete scouting system, brought in Michael Stevens to help with that. He, he the, They the, did not. The important part of the, about that is that before we've talked about this, Siggy Schmidt came in and said, where's your list? Right. Whenever they said, hey, we need a defender. Where's your list? And the bottom line is there was no. Yeah, list. Let, let's explain that a little bit. What happens is most MLS teams have a list of players. If a center back goes down. Who in the world can we go get to replace him? If a winger goes down, if a goal, and they have a, a list for every position, and, and all teams do that. NFL teams have a list of wide receivers. Baseball teams have a list of catchers. Ziggy, so Ziggy comes in, and within the first 10 days, Yellow Van Dom says, I'm out of here. I'm going back to Belgium. Ziggy went to the team and said, where's our list of center backs? And they were say, what list of center backs? Right. That, that, it, it was like. Ziggy was running an NCAA Division One program, and these guys were junior college. Yeah, and, that's kind of the way it was explained to me. And, and no, and I agree with that. And I think Greg has very much pointed out that if you want to compete with the Seattle's, the Atlanta's, the New York Cities, and stuff like that, this is the way that it has to go. The other part about that is, and I mentioned it, is that the Galaxy are putting together together those lists. Now, those lists take the form of what we call ghost teams. Right. And I, I think I've mentioned this before on it, but basically a ghost team is you lay out like a a, a formation that you want to play and then you fill it in with players that you don't own, right? They're people that are out around the world and you're like in a pinch. This is the guy. Like if I had the best guy available that we would want that would fit our system, you know, this is where that guy would be. And you make a bunch of these ghost teams where, you know, eventually you might Kevin have a ghost team of all domestic players, right? And you're like, if we need a domestic player and we need, this is the guy we can go out and get this. is It may be guys on other teams, maybe guys at Colorado, maybe guys at, you know, New York city. It may be at these things. And you say, okay, cool. I got these domestic ghost teams. I need a domestic player. I need a domestic center central attacking midfielder. Who's the best cam in major league soccer right now. And that ghost team sort of comes in there. You can go and go to that and be like, that's the guy. Now let's see if we can make a deal for him. Right. But it's not just that it's that there's a guy there and then there's three guys underneath him as well. Right. And so it's like you can move and you can make decisions quickly whenever these situations come up. Well, yeah. And what I found interesting about what Greg says, he said he came in, there was no scouting system. He's working on that now. Analytics, that's going to be a big part of what, of what the new people do. There was no um, sports medicine team. If you remember when GBS left, he took everybody with him. Yeah. And so there was nothing there. In fact, Greg said they even took the computers with all the information. They couldn't look, look back and say, hey, in September, how many miles did Chicharito run? That was gone. And he started from scratch. It was like when 
you know, Trump didn't share any information with Biden coming to the White House. It was like a blank sheet. So they had to start a physio team. Greg even went into the academy and started saying, you guys are only training once a day. We're going to do two sessions a day. And he changed everything in the academy system. Greg didn't say that he was frustrated. He did tell me that he had to do some of that in Toronto, but he had a head start because he was already the academy director. When he took over as coach there, it was a little bit easier. He didn't tell me he was frustrated by this, but it was obvious that he was. And one of the things he said is, whenever I leave here, 5, 10, 15 years, two months, when I leave here, there is going to be a structure in place because no other manager is going to come into this team and have to do this again. Right. Um, so I, I do think Greg looked at that and said, this is the best franchise in MLS history. They have no scouting department, no physio department. The academy trains once a day. What is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it is It is. Um it's a rebuild. And and the problem that we've seen is that they have had managers, they've had GM, they had Dennis DeClosa, they had all these coaches come through here, and we've seen the same things over and over again. Um, and so uh, it, it's just, I can sense it within the fan base. Now, having said that, there are 24,000 plus people. It was about a thousand people away from a sellout last night uh, at the game. So that's something that, and the fact that people still wanted to come and see the LA galaxy and listen, there's some things certainly that play into that, which is a whole bunch of ticket deals, uh, pretty cheap tickets, which again, why season ticket members maybe are a little more than, uh, ticked off and probably have a right to be as well. I would expect, and there's an opt out period coming up for season ticket members, uh, starting on August 1st to August 31st. I, I expect that they're going to lose, um, some season ticket members over the way that the galaxy has been playing, not just this year, but over ever since basically 2017, uh, there's some frustration that has finally grown and bubbled up through through everything. So if, and we've talked about what metrics uh, Chris Klein is sort of judged on, um, not only the performance on the field and on the gym, but obviously the business side of things as well. If they lose enough season ticket members, um, again, I think that there's something. Now, I live in a social media world and that world is not the real world. And we have to remember that. So whenever you see everybody on social media saying they're not going to renew their tickets, they're not going to do that stuff, that's still not the real world. It's a very small portion of everything that is going on in there. So you'd have to see if that actually has any sort of, um, you know, staying power to it, um, whether Chris Klein can weather that because it's him. It's he. He's the one who's on the line. People can want to get rid of Greg Vanny. At some point, I think you have to stick with somebody a little bit longer and actually let them develop something without uh, interference. And I, I think that Greg is smart enough to be able to do that. Um, and he exudes the confidence to be able to tell us that he thinks he can do that. And, and I'm of the opinion that if you're confident at your job, you talk about it a lot and about how you're going to get things done. And if you're not confident, you pretend you're on the phone whenever you walk by reporters. Well, yeah, well Greg, the thing with Greg that, that I like about him in this position is, again, he was here when the franchise started. It's very important in a big club. And, and it, you know, you can talk about Cincinnati or Sporting Kansas City. They, they're not on the same level as the Galaxy even if they have a better record right now, they're not on the same level. The culture, the tradition, the history, what it means to be part of a big club, what the Galaxy stands for, Greg knows all that because he helped create it. And, and so if Greg is not the guy, I, I just don't know who is. I'm not saying he's the greatest coach in the world right now. He, by the way, but the way, by the way, since 2015, he is the winningest coach in MLS. He has more victories than any other coach in MLS over that period. Um, so he has been successful, but he understands the tradition, the history. He has a plan for what he wants to do. He has an idea how to get there. The problem is, is anyone, are people getting in his way? Because that's what we've seen before. Chris Klein's contract, by the way, is up this season. And he told me that he and Dan Beckerman have not talked about a new one, but he seemed confident that that would, 
work its way out. He's been renewed twice. The last uh, contract renewal came at the end of the 2017 season, which was the worst season in team history. Correct. And the president got a, a, a new five-year contract after that. Um, so you're right. I think a, th- a lot of things are on the line for Chris Klein. If the team makes the playoffs, that certainly helps him. If there, if there isn't a huge drop-off in season tickets, that certainly helps him. If they miss the playoffs and there's a huge drop-off in season tickets, uh, I, I, can he survive that? I don't know. It, it, the the crazy thing to me is almost that with with Klein sort of pushing and keeping everything at arm's length now, Kevin, and I think you and I uh, agree on the fact that he has had to move away from being, quote unquote, the face of the the L.A. Galaxy. Right. We've seen that many, many times that um, he used to be in front of the cameras all the time. He used to be the guy talking. He used to be the guy announcing deals. He used to be all that thing. And he's really not that guy now. So even if the L.A. Galaxy have success and if that success comes after sort of ceding all the power over to Greg Vanny, how do you justify your job uh, being in that presidential, even if, if Greg Vanny is now successful only because you got out of his way now? Because that's sort of where you're also putting it. So, yes, I agree that making the playoffs probably helps Chris Klein a little bit. But at the same time, if you're actually paying attention to this team, and listen, there are amazing fans and people who are in, who, who pay attention to this stuff, just like you and I do, Kevin, on a daily basis and have for since 2017, who know that there has been dysfunction within this LA Galaxy. And that those people right now are trying to justify why Chris Klein still has a position. And I think that's, that's really uh, like the time is coming for that. Well, I, I go back to 2017. And if you remember, that was the year Bruce was out. All the smart people in the room decided they were going to show MLS how they were way smarter than Bruce and that Bruce wasn't the solution to the Galaxy. That He wasn't the reason they won. And so they, they just raised the earth and got rid of everything Bruce had done, got rid of all of his players and started to try to start again with the academy system. And it, it failed horribly. But my point is at the beginning of that season, when we were all saying, wait a minute, this, this isn't going to work. Everybody, Kurt Anafo, Pete Vianis was the GM then, Chris Klein, everybody was like, we want to do this and we're going to do this. And we're all in agreement by the end of that season to a person, I remember them all pointing fingers. When Pete wanted to do that, and I said no, but we let him do it. And and I didn't think that was a good idea, but Chris wanted to go that way. They were all turning on each other. And, and the next year, when the, there was another uh, disastrous season, Pete Vianis was was let go. So the finger pointing started in 2017, and I think they've been kind of searching for a solution ever since then. Yeah, well, you can only point so many fingers uh, until it, it comes back at you, right? So um, just some other stats, uh, just so I wanted to point out again, just in terms of where the, where you think the LA Galaxy could possibly end up. MLS leaders and expected goals. Kevin Cabral is a big reason why the LA Galaxy have this number and have not scored this many goals. 37.9 on the expected goals. Uh, the LA Galaxy are second in the league in expected goals uh, behind New York City's 44.2. So 37.9 for the LA Galaxy. Um, so that's something. MLS leaders in expected goals against. Uh, the LA Galaxy aren't on that list, which is one of the reasons maybe uh, the defense has has had a little uh, shuffling going on there. Uh, MLS teams over and underperforming expected goals, right? This is where we talk about overperformance, underperformance. LA Galaxy at minus 7.9 expected goals. So they're underperforming their expected goals by eight goals. Again, Kevin Cabral, big reason for that. Um, the other thing I wanted to show was uh, the MLS expected goal uh, differential leaders through two thirds of the season. The LA Galaxy are fourth with plus 9.2 is where they're expected to sort of be on that. That doesn't mean that's where they're at. Matter of fact, they're only, they've got a plus two goal differential, Kevin, but if they scored the goals that they should be scoring, they would be at that plus 9.2. Again, one of the tops in the league. This team is 
underperforming in some ways, and it's also a mediocre team in a lot of ways, and it's really hard to sort of put my my head between all those things. I think they should be playing better than they are. By how many spots? That's kind of a toss-up, and I think it's going to sort of play out down this uh, down this playoffs what, uh, lane. And when you talk about that, you say, okay, well, if they're mediocre, who do we change? That's another thing that Greg talked about. The reason they a lot of these players came in with these long-term contracts, remember Cabral, I think it was four in an option or five in an option. Efra's been re-signed to a long-term deal. Julian Araujo's long-term deal. Everyone came in at at least a three-year deal, it seemed. Um, the reason Greg wanted to do that is he told me that when he looked at the Galaxy, and the coaching change had a lot to do with that. Kurt played a different way than Ziggy played. Ziggy played a different way than, than Guillermo played. Vanny plays a different way himself. He said, you have got to have some stability. Uh, and you have to have you have to keep people together. And he wanted to set a core that would be here for a while. So he signed them all to long-term contracts. That was a gamble. And I think Greg would admit that. Cabral has probably not been the player that he thought he would be, and he's got him for five years. Yep. Efra is probably not the, the guy he thought he was going to develop into. He's got him for a long-term deal. But he the other guys that he signed to long-term deals, he wants a core to be here to develop together. He doesn't want guys looking at the door and wondering, you know, are they going to be led through it or can they leave when they want to? Um, he wants these guys to be here. Uh, and and that's so when you look at it, you say, yeah, it's a mediocre team. Greg's thought is these guys are going to develop into something. Cabral's still a young guy, he'll develop. We'll see if that pays off. But that's why you have these guys locked up. The one bad thing is there's no DP. So there's no, you know, a, a one thing a DP can do, you talk about building that core, a DP can come in and give you a flash of brilliance right. for a short period of time to get you over that hump. If the Galaxy are a mediocre team and you add a Zalatan, not that that's going to happen. But you can see how that changes the team. You still have your core, but you have that one guy that just, gets you to the top. Just look at Toronto, right? Look at Toronto and what they're doing with their Italians and sort of how they played over, you know, in front of 29,000 people. They got two two big signings in there, and now all of a sudden they have their highest attendance of 29,000 people at BMO Field, right? Look at LAFC with Gareth Bale and just sort of how they're reinforcing. Um, you know, that I'll say this. I think the Galaxy are going to get a, a, a Bergman bump, right? I think that Gaston is going to provide a good sort of push forward we'll see uh greg vanny i'd been told not necessarily by greg um, but i had been told that the la galaxy were looking at somebody who was versatile in the midfield i think that they're still focused on the winger issue and the winger's not scoring i think brawl obviously he's aware of that i think grant sear he's aware of that i think costa sort of playing in the position that he's playing right now they're aware that they're not getting enough goals so there seems to still be a focus on the midfield and whether or not they can bring somebody in who both can play on the interior, so in the central part of the midfield and on that outside on the wingers. And they're looking, I, I would imagine, for uh, a little bit more of a goal score, somebody who can give it another six or seven goals in a season. Having done doing that in this uh, in this formation and sort of the way that Greg Vanny wants to play, um, it, it seems like it's pushing into uh, into an ability to do that. Now, also starting two forwards up top is a, is a great way to go, but you're going to have to put Preston Judd on the bench if you're going to do that because you're going to have to rotate Chicharito, certainly, uh, with the minutes that he's had so far this year. Uh, and you're going to have to put Yo uh, Dayon Jovalich in there a couple times um, in starting positions whenever the schedule starts to really condense itself. So there's going to be a lot of swapping, a lot of moving parts here as that it sort of goes down to the end. I don't know how the LA Galaxy handle that. I don't consider them a deep team, Kevin. Uh, but if they stay healthy, if they can get 75 minutes out of Brugman out of every game, maybe 80 minutes, maybe 90 minutes when they have to, um, you could see sort of that that change in things. I'll say this, Chicharito probably not getting renewed. 
um, this winter. So a designated player spot opening up for the LA Galaxy in the offseason. Uh, possibly another if the Galaxy decide to buy out either Cabral or Douglas Costa. They decided that that's the end. And I do think those decisions are going to have to come uh, in the wintertime. So uh, there's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made here relatively quickly after this uh, this season goes and after the playoff run, right? So, well, let me... Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you about Chicharito. If the Galaxy don't resign him, does he stay in MLS? Does somebody else want him? Does he retire? Does he go back to Mexico? Th- he could go to Mexico and still make a bunch of money, I think. Um, and they'd be happy. I think Efrain Alvarez could possibly be on the trading blocks, even maybe in this window right now. I think that's a little too optimistic. Um, and it doesn't do much for you overall if you're the LA Galaxy. So it probably doesn't behoove you to move him right now. But looking at him and sort of his arc and where he's going, it may be time for the LA Galaxy to move him. So he's a winner, uh, possible winner movement. Look at Julian Araujo, who has been playing up and down, certainly this year. Um, and so, you know, there's still a possibility, I think, for him to move in the wintertime as well after the World Cup, those types of things. So I think they're gonna, there's going to be some movement. I just don't know that there's a lot of movement on this team. And I think as design, Greg Vanny sort of wants that to be the case where there's not a lot I, of movement. I, I think Chicharito could stay in MLS. I mean, I think he, not at $6 million, he, at, as a DP, maybe two and a half or $3 million. But I mean, I, I think he has some value both as a player and as a draw. I mean, I think someone like... Chicago with a lot of Mexicans in that market. Kansas City needs some help. It's San Jose. If he's happy in if he's happy in LA though, right? If Chicharito really is happy in LA and he wants to stay, the man's made enough money in his life that he could take a TAM deal at 1.6 and open up some room for a designated player there. And if that's what he wants to do, he's at that position now where he gets to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, but it, for the Galaxy, it's, it's hard pro- to do that. Sometimes it's hard to do that in the same spot. Yeah. Unless you're for whatever to the project, it's hard to say. I will. You know, uh, Sasha did it. We know, but it, it's hard for a lot of players to say, "Give me half of what you paid me last year, but I'll do the same job." It, 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 it sometimes it, it's that's a safe facing move to go and say, "Yes, I'll take that money, but only from San Jose or Chicago or Kansas City." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Uh, if we look at it, uh, the LA Galaxy closing out their uh, their final uh, game of July uh, hasn't been a good July. They won the first game. Uh, won the second and the last game, so I guess that's good. It was the three games in between that wasn't uh, wasn't very much fun. But they'll travel to Dallas uh, coming up this Saturday. It is July 30th game, 6 p.m. It is a 6:08 p.m. kickoff. Uh, it is MLS Live on ESPN Plus, and then also Spectrum Sportsnet and LAGalaxy.com for everybody who's in uh, in country in Los Angeles, I should say. Um, so that's a big game. They can get 500 for July if they win that. I didn't realize it was a that big of a game. Yeah, is is it 500? That's a, yeah, I guess because it's six. Yeah, they would be. Three. Three and three. Yeah, they yeah. would be three and three. So they could, and that would be a, a big. But that's a tough ask to, to win. I, well, in, I know. In you Dallas. know, Greg's going to be bringing that up in the locker room. Come uh, on, guys, we can get to five hundred on the month. Uh, coming up, the LA Galaxy have to play a meaningless friendly. Uh, coming up in that that SoFi Stadium Leagues Cup uh, extravaganza. Uh, from what I've heard, the LA Galaxy will kick off the first game at five p.m., which means that the second game will start at seven thirty p.m. So if you're paying attention, it actually says five thirty p.m. five thirty p.m. on here. So. There might be a TV start of about five and then a kickoff at 530 or however they're going to end up doing that. So that'll be at SoFi Stadium. Absolutely meaningless. And then three days later, the LA Galaxy will have to travel to Sporting Kansas City uh, where they will go and play against SKC and Peter Vermees. Uh, There is the All-Star game on the 9th and the 10th. 
Um, Chicharito and Julian Araujo will be gone for that. And then you get back for August 13th where the Galaxy will host the, the lowly Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, go against maybe the Seattle Sounders who are still below the playoff line at that point. And then you talked about that road trip uh, against the Eastern Conference, the two teams back-to-back, New England uh, and Toronto. So that's that, that, that's an interesting road trip. They get Bruce Arena and then Bob Bradley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, it doesn't do uh, the Galaxy any any favors in that at all. Um, but but you know what's really interesting is you talk about how Toronto – look where Toronto is. They're way down there. They, they're, they're not good this year. But now with the two reinforcements to playing well, getting big crowds, if the Galaxy had played that game in May – it's probably a game they win going away. Now all bets are off. It could be a very tough game in Toronto for them. Yeah. Uh, it's it, again, you're sort of playing some of these teams after they've, uh, they've gotten their reinforcements and sort of seen whether or not they can, they can press for the playoffs. Uh, Philadelphia in the Eastern conference right now, 42 points, New York city at 41, New York Red Bull. So New York, uh, second and third right now 41 and 36 points um so that'll be an interesting one montreal the la galaxy remember just beat them four to nothing on july 4th uh they have 35 points there the bottom is uh dc united and wayne rooney uh down there uh western conference again i think we already talked about it but lafc at the top kansas city at the bottom la galaxy smack dab in the middle at seven uh holding that final playoff position right now on a tiebreaker it's number of wins is the first tiebreaker just keep that in mind as this goes ahead and the LA Galaxy only have three draws this season to Portland's nine. Portland has had nine draws. That's a lot of draws. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Supporter Shield, LAFC up top. Uh, LA Galaxy just barely outside the top 10. 11th place in the Supporter Shield. They actually jumped back up two spaces after the win. So they were in 13th. Now they're back in 11th. So that's where it is. FC Dallas game coming up. They're also having a Star Wars night, Kevin. I don't know if you knew that. but FC. Wow, back-to-back Star Wars nights. Yeah, I think it might be the first time ever. Uh, that that happened, but that is a 6 p.m. start time. Uh, again, LAGalaxy.com and Spectrum Sportsnet, 6.08 p.m. kickoff time. Joe, Kobe, and Nikki will have that game for you on Spectrum. Interesting game going against uh, Dallas, and obviously we'll get you ready for that on Thursday. So May the force be with them. It will be, uh, it's supposed to be like hot and rainy and just like, it was supposed to be 105, and now I think it's supposed to be like 97 and rain, but it's still far enough out that you can't really predict that yet, so if you've paid attention to the Dallas games, the Galaxy haven't won in Dallas in a really long time, and some of those games have been like weather-delayed, wacky games where Dallas puts a cross in and the wind blows the ball into the back of the net. So that's what I'm expecting. Shenanigans. uh, Full-up shenanigans from this LA Galaxy game uh, going against FC Dallas. So uh, should be an interesting one. All right. Uh, Are we good? Do we talk about everything that we need to talk about? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, we should talk about that shirt. I'm still unhappy about the third billing on the shirt. Well, I mean, as it sits right now on this particular camera, you're not even on the shirt, and that's, I know that. That's, see, that's kind of how. how and, that's and, why I like it. And you did point out that it's that, that's listed in in terms of popularity, and, yeah, and except and, that in I, that case, I am too high. Yeah, you know, I was I was going to say yeah, I moved you up two spots just so that way I could you know calm your ego about it. So that's for sure. There was only and, five people on the shirt. I figured putting you at the bottom, everybody would know that you were the least popular one. So who's under me? Uh, nobody, nobody has ever been under you. And, <laughs> and that's, that's the final answer. Can't, to that one. Sophie's there. Sophie's there. Sophie's there. And Christian miles, um, okay. are on the shirt as well. So yeah. How come the tri- triple P is not on there? What the triple P? Oh, oh, the perpetually uh, peppy, perky and, and perky, positive, perky Nikki and positive K. Nikki K. Uh, because yeah. she is just a guest host. Uh, okay. so on occasion, Same with Damien, uh, Damien did a great job. He was COVID positive, still did our podcast. I mean, come on. 
That guy's. And, and, but he he didn't show up to the game. You said. He, can you he, imagine a, a local newspaper not covering the game? I was gonna say, Kevin. Can you imagine it? You went to you went to a <laughs> can game. You imagine? <laughs> Kevin was actually in the press box. Everybody, I should point that out. He was sitting right next to me the whole game. So uh, that's what we have. LA Galaxy. No, we were socially distanced in honor of Damian. Yeah, we were. We well, I mean, you know, that the press box was pretty empty. I know people would yeah. like to like to not hear that, but the press box is pretty empty. It's there's a lot of space up there for us right now. So. Uh, all right. I think that's it. If you are looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Head on over to corner or head on over to LATimes.com where you can find his stories. He's going to have that story hopefully this week. Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, and that's one you're going to want to check out. I think uh, I've, ar- I've already read it. Just so you know, um, you're going to want to check it out. So that one's coming out. Um, and so make sure you go over there, latimes.com for all of his stuff. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We have the full media availability after the game on Sunday night against Atlanta United. You can hear from Greg Vanny. You can hear from Dayan Jovalich and Jonathan Bond. All right. I think that about does it for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Guessman. And you've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.